This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest. Match Review Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling and today we're reviewing a disappointing 1-1 draw between Palace and Wolves with Palace throwing it away in the last minute of injury time. I've got plenty of opinions from you and I'll introduce you to my panel in just a moment. Reviews, predictions, comments and rants. Send us your voice clips on WhatsApp 0203 575 1266. Right, time to talk to the panel. First up, Mr. Mike Scott. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Oh, I'm a bit. I'm feeling a bit weird today, Mike. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure what's wrong with my brain. I think I've probably just been outside too much. Uh, no wine beforehand. And, probably yeah, no, no wine after last week's incident. Uh, obviously, uh, listeners would have noticed that I was very angry last week. A combination of way too much wine and giving up vaping. I'm pleased to say I'm still not vaping and I'm also not currently drinking, which is um, which is a good thing. But Mike, this is about you. What have you been up to? I'm, I'm, I'm impressed for you not having fallen off the wagon and vapes. Excellent. Um, I got over the draw yesterday by... Um, I went for a jam with uh, some... A few uh, punks that have been in bands for years and years and years, we decided we want to let off some steam and start a little side project. So we had a nice nice jam in Brighton last night, um, and that, that's what made the day a little bit better, to be honest, yeah. Nice punks, is that a thing? Uh, it is. They get a bad reputation, um, mainly from the sort of the the old ones from the 70s that have turned into sort of... Uh, they'll be very racist right-wingers, but there's you know that's only a small minority. The rest of them are very nice. Indeed, and sometimes they advertise butter as well, don't they, for some reason? Uh, they, well, at least one of them does, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, also, we have the pleasure of being joined by Kate Murray, isn't it? I got that right, didn't I, Kate? You did, yeah. Any relation to Glenn? Glenn? Yeah, Glenn Murray. my brother. Oh, yeah, brilliant. I don't think that that is true. <laughs> in, in a true story, my brother was going to be called Glenn. Um, does your brother play football? Well, he does, but I don't think he's any good at it. He's <laughs> <laughs> certainly not. He's certainly not the other one. Devastating. Um, I haven't really prepared you for this, but um, let, let's let the listeners hear a little tiny bit about you. Um, how long have you been a Palace fan? What was your first game? Oh, this is going to be a terrible confession because nobody would take me, let me go to games with them. So my first game was only February this year. February this year? <laughs> I'm laughing at my own inability to act. My um, brother wouldn't let me go with him. I mean, that... I wouldn't. I wouldn't go on my own. Who, who did you? Who did we play in February? That you in that particular? It was the Grimsby from... game. It was oh, January, wow. actually, wasn't it? It was Jan- beginning of January. I'm lying. It was February. It was January. I mean, it's it's great opposition to start your 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 Palace watching career with, but. Well, it's, it's fantastic to have you on board. Obviously, you've been doing a lot of writing um, on backofthenest.com. Um, hopefully, people are, are going there and checking out your articles. If not, please do so. Yes, please um, but, do. We've got some uh, really good ones coming up. 
yeah, hell of a lot of work goes into that. We're we're perhaps a little rubbish at publicising it enough, but do go to backofthenest.com and check it out. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, obviously we've got various ways of doing so, but if you haven't got, you know, the socials or... Oh, that sounds so old. Uh, or WhatsApp or anything like that, you can still email us, hi at backofthenest.com. Um, little special thing this week as well. We've got so much contact from you on WhatsApp that... Uh, we'll be releasing a special bonus podcast called Your View, uh, which will contain the, the full clips of everything that we got, uh, about half an hour long, and uh, that'll be out Tuesday evening at 7pm. So do check that out to hear the full glory of everything that we got from yourselves. And we also want to blow our own trumpet a little bit. We've um, we've been in the top 40 of the best-selling, in inverted column, uh, commas, because we don't sell anything, uh, best-selling football podcast ever. So all of you, thank you so much for downloading regularly. Um, do spread the word, of course. And, and, you know, reviews on iTunes always help, especially if they're five stars, which I'm sure you'll agree we deserve. But, you know, we just started looking at those charts recently and we were really humbled um, by by how successful we seem to have been. And you can't underestimate how important it is that people have left reviews and stuff because it, it's, it's brought listenership up loads and loads and loads. So thank you very much. Uh, and the same with people that have been uh, arguing with us and, and retweeting us on, on, on Twitter, on Instagram, all that kind of stuff. It really helps. I know it's the same crap that you hear from all podcasts, but, you know, we have to we have to push ourselves a little bit. And this is the only medium we've got to do it, I guess. Indeed. And, um, yeah, look, you know, it, it, it's undoubtedly it was a negative show last week and undoubtedly this week a lot of negativity. Um, I think it's, it's, tr- it's difficult to have perspective all the time and we had a little debate on our our internal whatsapp group yesterday about perspective and how you know when we're talking about the way things are going at the moment like it's a crisis how it it doesn't really compare to to the proper crises that we've had and all that kind of stuff so i want people to to know that we're aware of that obviously we're reacting game by game and that's sometimes a dangerous thing to do particularly if you've had too much wine like last week but um, you know, generally speaking, I think it's always important to remember that as a club, we are still going through what is what is a successful period for a club of our size. It's just the sort of direction and potential future of the club at the moment seems a little bit, little bit uh, tricky. And um, yeah, some of us are, are finding it a bit difficult to watch Palace at the moment. But anyway, let's get in to talking about the game. Plenty of your reaction. Uh, many of you get in touch uh, on WhatsApp. You do that by adding the number 0203 575 1266 to your contacts. And then obviously just send us a voice message on there. Cannot believe the response you got this week. People are obviously a little bit irate. But if we may, we shall start with a little bit of some pre-game expectations. Good morning, back of the nest. Uh, Ebo here. Um, yes, yeah, the morning of the match. Um, having seen yesterday's results, um, is quite a vital one, really. Um, get us back up into the uh, top of the uh, half of the table if we can get a win today. Um, yeah, but where to start? I mean, Wolves uh, on a run of very bad form, looking uh, looking terrible uh, at times. Um, you know, a shadow of their selves from last season. Um, and, you know, whether it's down to uh, the Europa League or whether it's just down to... Uh, Players not playing up to form or what, I don't know. I mean, obviously, their season started a lot earlier than ours. But, you know, from their fans' um, point of view, I think players like Coda, um, Connor Cody and uh, the like are not up to the standard they were last year and are finding their second season a bit of a struggle, which a lot of teams do. Um, but then, as a Palace fan, we all know that teams haven't won for a while seem to come to Sellers Park and uh, break their duck. So, I don't know, we're hoping that's not going to happen today. All right, boys, Tom in Maine, um, just sort of line up for the game. And yeah, so Roy, well done at destroying Victor Camaras's career. Um, nice and confident last year, working for a manager that actually trusted him and played him, had a great run of form, scored some great goals. Comes to Palace and it's a graveyard. Welcome to the Max Meyer midfielder graveyard. Hambo, it's serious business, this Crystal Palace fandom. Don't get too worked up, mate. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to have blood pressure issues. Try to control the abject rage at Hodgson and his bizarre tactical decisions. Otherwise, you're going for an early grave, son. 
relax. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Um, you're quite right. Already got blood pressure issues. <laughs> um, and certainly, if I get myself as worked up as I did last week, I'm in trouble. That, that took a really dark turn, didn't it, Tom, from Maine? I, I, I talk of early graves and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, probably two bottles of wine is going to do that more than more than being all right about Palace, but um doesn't stop any of us doing it, does it? Um, but yeah, so some good points. I mean, a little bit um, over the top about Camarasa probably, but we get the point and we probably agree with it a little bit. Um, it probably gets us into the lineup. Uh, 4-5-1, sort of 4-3-3 set up again. Um, and my initial thought was that as we sort of discussed last time, uh, Roy seems to have chosen his standard non-flair players in, instead of what I'd describe as the flair players, except for Wilf. Uh, and that probably has got something to do with what Tom refers to as the Mayor graveyard. Well, it's this whole thing, isn't it? Functional players over over flair and risk. And, you know, Roy likes to pick players that he trusts. Uh, but it's very predictable and very difficult to take. I'm interested to, uh, Kate, what you thought when you saw the lineup and some general feelings from yourself about uh, how we're approaching the game under Roy. Um, I was surprised to not see Townsend in, actually. I thought we would bring him in. Cause, I mean, I, I think the rest of the rest of the lineup are pretty um, predictable. Hmm. Um, he does, I think, yeah, I agree about um, Camarasa. Maybe we do need to start like bringing him in, and but yeah, I don't really have much much to say about a lineup except that was what I pretty much expected. I think that's that's exactly the point. We we know what to expect from Roy, and you're right about Townsend. And for me, that's just another example of a player who Roy has 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 changed from the player that he was. You know, just because of the demands of Roy's system means that he has to be much more defensively aware, and we know. You know, Townsend's at his best when he's working hard and he's running hard, but when he's attacking, you know, and, and it's the same situation for a number of players who find themselves out of the team and out of the squad. You know, they have different strengths than what Roy's looking for. And that's where I, I'm getting concerned. It, it's the idea that the longer we play just with functional players, what, you know, who, what happens when Roy eventually does leave the club? What are we going to be left with? You know, I, I certainly think with the squad we've got, a manager with different ideas and different views um, could potentially get a lot more out of it. Do you think that um, Zahar's played again on the right because he wants to shoehorn Schlupping on the left as cover for Paul VA? Or, or do you think that he, he genuinely has decided that he's, he's, he's better on the right? I, I think you're absolutely spot on with the first part that it's about trying to have a more solid left-hand side because you've got to stop PVA getting exposed week in, week out. And, and it's very difficult to do. You know, if you don't, if you don't allow PVA to wander, you, you negate what he brings to the team in a lot of ways. So having someone who's more, more able to do an orthodox defensive role out there is probably very, very important. But, you know, I felt with the system yesterday, you know, you're quite right in that it lined up as a four-five-one-four-three-three, but there were many times during that game where there was a switch to to the the sort of favoured four-four-two at times, with you know one of the wide players coming in and playing as a striker and going into that flat narrow midfield again, um, and and that worries me that we're again we're, we've had a couple of decent results, did badly against Spurs, and and now it's you know. All, Go back, go back to the tried and tested narrow four four two. Well, that, I mean that worries me even more because are you then suggesting that you're moving Zahar into a position that perhaps you wouldn't put him in first of all? That would be either left hand side, which we know Hodgson doesn't, or left of a front two because he can't defend. Are you, are you basically making a decision to either get rid of Townsend or put Zahar in a position he shouldn't be in just to cover the defence, which is unbelievable considering he's the focus focal point of the team it does seem a bit odd and and to have now I've seen him do that two games in a row I'm a little bit concerned by that but uh, maybe they're in his madness well of course and there's no getting away from the fact that our game plan is keep it tight keep our shape and hope hope Zaha does something impressive that that's what we do and it's, it's no coincidence that that the opposition know that 
they can give us the ball quite easily, um, particularly at home. And, and as long as they're marking Wilf and keeping tight on him, he's got to have the absolute game of his life to, to get anything out of it. And, you, you know, he needed a very good game yesterday. But, um, you know, it is all too predictable. And in, in particular, it's about, you know, how, how we go about changing things, how we go, go about managing that game. To sort of tease Camarasa in the press conference before the match and then to take him out of the squad was was incredibly concern, concerning. Um, and Tom from Maine, despite almost suggesting I'm going to die, um, he also, you know, he said that he's ruining Camarasa's career. And I'm sure Camarasa didn't join Palace just to, to sit on the bench, uh, particularly after playing so well last season. So it just suggests that, there don't, doesn't seem to be a place in the way that Roy wants to play for for flair, for flair players. I thought that was tough to say. Anyway, um, talk a little bit about the first half, shall we? Um, pretty abject. Uh, how bored during it were you, Kate? Do you know what? I actually had my back to the game. Because <laughs> I was doing my um, incredible stewarding role. And, oh, yeah. Um, yes, I was uh, stuck pitch side. So, um, yeah, I had the back and I was just staring at the people in front of me, watching their reactions. And, I think um, you, you had the better of it, I think, by, by well, doing that. I don't that. know. Sometimes in their warm-ups, I did have to have a word with um, a couple of the Wolves to uh, stop kicking balls at me. <laughs> I told them straight, there's a goal there, go and kick at the goal, not on my head. <laughs> could have Could have injured one of them, that might have helped us as well. But, uh... well you know, I did throw it back quite hard. So yeah, I didn't I didn't see much of the um the first half. Um but it didn't look like there was um much to be being excited about. I've obviously mm. caught up now. It was a pretty mundane half, I think. Yeah, mundane is an excellent word for it, Mike. I was I had the uh, the luxury, as I do most games, of standing next to DR. Uh, and on about 22 minutes, he said, oh, this should really be half time by now. And then about five minutes later, he was like, no, oh, it feels like 90 minutes now. Um, and I kind of I kind of agreed with him. Um, it, it didn't, nothing much happened uh, for the first sort of 25 minutes. And after that, we were kind of under the caution. I felt we were lucky to get in at nil-nil. Um, it was it was a game where we cancelled each other out to, to, a, to a great extent up until the point that um, they started to dictate the play a little bit. There, there was, early on, there was the the clear off the line from from Jimmy Mack. Uh, it was a corner, came over to, I think it was Den Donker. Uh, and yeah. he did well to clear it off the line because we, we provide him too much space. Um, and then, obviously, that incredible save from Guaita, uh, denied Doherty at the far post, um, across coming from Jimenez. Again, um, I think those are the kind of, I think we we touched on it last week, the kind of chances that when they go in, we spend 20 minutes discussing, dissecting how that we weren't defending properly. But because he's uh, managed to save it, we're not, we're sort of glossing it over a little bit. Guaita did win the man of the match poll for us, um, absolutely cruised it over half the, half the votes. Um, I think probably with good reason. It's, Arguably, a few people said if it hadn't have been him in goal, we 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 would have we would have been out of it by half time. Um, I, I I think that's a little harsh. Um, it looks like to me, Sacco's still finding his feet a little bit, um, still slightly short of match fitness. Um, but it, it, sorry, Kevin. I was going to say that there's I mean there's a lot in there, but it's interesting the point you make about um, people discussing. Well, certainly first off, I would agree that, that without Guaita making particularly that one save, but his general play, I think, you know, we could have been out of sight. And obviously Wolves also missed a, a couple of, of chances. And, you know, the MacArthur clearance off the line is, that's Jimmy Mack at his best, sort of box to box, getting involved in everything. And I think he had, he had a pretty good game uh, for a lot of it. One of the one of the players that came out with a lot of credit. But, you know, I think if we're going to, we'll talk later about missed chances for Palace and how we should have put the game to bed. But I think you have to be realistic. If you're going to talk about missed chances at one end, you've got to talk about the other as well. And undeniably, we were fortunate to go in at half time um, with nil nil. So, yeah, Sacco did, and I managed to catch it luckily out of the corner of my eye. An absolutely beautiful block. Like, he didn't even go in for the tackle, just completely blocked it. I don't know if anyone else saw it. Yeah. Just because yeah. I was right by it. I don't know if that was even first half, because that first half, to me as well, I thought we were like 
45 minutes in and then mum was like oh it's only been five minutes i was like really um, <laughs> it's, it's the sign of a, of a terrible just, terrible game yeah but... it was and it was just nice to sort of like see that he is sort of you know finding his feet again you know oh, from last week at tottenham to sort of this you know there are improvements and hopefully you know he will get back to to form yeah completely agree Kate. i mean he he is he is you know, one of the best centre backs we've ever seen at Palace, and you're absolutely right to say that the the player we saw last week against Spurs clearly struggling, so much better this week, and, and next week he'll be he'll be even better. He is he's undroppable and undoubtedly the best centre back we've got, even as well as Cahill has been playing. In, in I mean, Dio made another insightful comment thinking about it, and that's that's two in two in one game standing with him. So. Um, yeah, incredible. But he, he, when I said, oh, he, he looks still a bit short of match fitness, um, he said, well, Roy's not going to risk him starting if he thinks he's short of match fitness. So for two games in a row, he started him. And, and you take that um, take that point in the second half against Spurs where he looked like he was running in treacle. Um, and he, he, was, he ran past him with about a 10 yards uh, head start. Um, got the book. I can't think who it was. But I, I'm not sure that that's uh, lack of physical fitness um possibly lack of, of mental fitness um is, is the, i think that's what uh, dr was getting at and that's a good point yeah it is it, it's nothing it's nothing physical at all it is it's entirely match sharpness playing with that you know we use the word a lot at the moment because i think it's the thing that's lacking the most in it in the way we play and that's the word intensity that intensity of playing premier league football for 90 minutes or however long it might be that's that's the difference you know you can you can be training as long as you like and working as hard as you like away from a game but once you get back into the game after a period of time off it's very tough well i think intensity that leaves us really great onto um the start of the second half and our goal and i've got to say um so was with uh chris clark uh, and dr and for some inexplicable reason um, they decided to only open one set of doors out to the smoking area, the burger van area outside the Homesdale. So we couldn't move. It was just, it was like, I don't know, trying to escape the Reading Festival. Um, so we didn't realise the second half had started and we heard this enormous scream and we were like, oh, Wolves must have scored. Um, but no, uh, Joel Ward scored, or as apparently he didn't. Um, so we actually missed the goal, so I've had to catch up with it afterwards. Um, but that was a real um, show of intensity. Um, ball went off for a throw. Uh, Cuarte, I think it was, very quick to react, throw the ball down to Schlupp. And his extra quick thinking um, started that move off. Um, and, and that's what ended up meaning that we scored. Um, and that was the kind of intensity that um, we didn't see from a couple of other players before we get on to. Um, but I was really impressed with the move. Lucky to score, obviously. But um, Schlupp's point in it, Cuarte's play um jimmy max clever set up and ward being in the right place at the right time um, that's the kind of goal that i like to see yeah and it, it's what we're capable of so much more than than we do you know a lot gets talked about around chance creation and, and we do create some some very good chances but you wonder what would happen well you know what would happen almost if you take the shackles off you go back to the bournemouth at the end of last season that's kind of what happens uh we concede lots of goals but we can score them as well but you know again the, the key thing there you've got people in the box, haven't you? You know, we Schlupp does extremely well, but the cross is cut out. But because when the cross is cut out, Coyote's in there, intense, putting pressure on, we get another opportunity. And because MacArthur's in the box as well, he has an opportunity. And because Ward has come off the right flank, come into a central position and is asking for the ball, those are the things that make the big difference uh, in a match. Players wanting the ball, players thinking ahead in a, in a, in a way that, when they're doing something different, you know, right back, not in a right back position for the whole game, taking a chance, getting forward. Joel Ward at his best, that's what he used to do. Remember, you know, goal was a couple of seasons ago against Chelsea, where he's popping up at the back post and, and knocking the ball in. That's that's what we what you need to do. Do that something a little different. Spoil the opposition's game plan. Give them something different to think about. And and that's why we scored. We took we took a chance. I mean, interestingly, it comes back to the point of whether. Um, Hodgson's identified that Zaha and, and Ward work together well and, and he's given the opportunity to get up. Um, but I, I just wanted to mention, because I wanted to get it in really, 
Watford losing eight nil. Um, absolutely <laughs> excellent. You know, made made my weekend. Um, but a couple of the Man City goals um, were then piling three and four in the box and and getting a deflection. Um, and they do that a lot. I mean, they get a lot of deflected goals, uh, and they could have had a couple more. I can't think that we tend to do that that often. Um, but it, it, it's not it's not just an accident. It happens because um, the defence are at sixes and sevens when you've got Kuate in the box passing to MacArthur, and they are going to be in the way. And just smacking the ball from outside the box does often result in a goal. There was other point in the game when. Luca had a crack and he was unlucky and it deflected just the other side of the post. But um, it's great to see these these long-range shots because um, for a little while we've been frustrated that we've been trying to walk the ball into the net too much rather than, than having a go like this. So I was pleased to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was hearing a lot of, um, you know, constant shouts of, um, you know, shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, I think one of them went on for about five minutes. So, yeah, I mean, we should just, you know, just take the shot, you know, rather than, you know, just sometimes I feel like we're just hanging on just to the ball too much and then, you know, it's lost and, you know, chance gone. Well, absolutely right. You can't, you know, if, you, if you're waiting for that perfect opportunity, it's not always going to come, is it? And and certainly not if you're playing in a Palace shirt. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's really tough to to watch at times, and especially when you do see something like like Ward's goal come off. And yeah, the the shot was going well wide, and and it comes off of a defender's hand and goes in. You can call it lucky, but you miss a hundred percent of the opportunities you don't take, don't you, Mike? Hey, I'm sure one of my teachers said that to me once, uh, and I did not listen to them, and I did not take whatever chance they were referring to. And look at me now, I'm working in IT. <laughs> there's a lesson for you people um yeah life can be unbelievably harsh at times can't it? um i mean from now if we're discussing the second half um before we get into some listener clips uh of frustration at the end of the game um we are going to come back to the discussion of benteke and schlup um because they are two topics that came up again and again on social media um and yes we didn't kill the game off um so let's come back to that in a minute um, maybe let's get to, unless you want to discuss any other bits before we get to that very frustrating equaliser. Uh, no, I think we've I think we've got to do it now. Yeah. Get it out of the okay, way. Well, you, 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 you weighed in. All right, I will. Um, so there's a, there's a few things, but obviously the goal comes from a bit of pressure. It's important to note, obviously, that Wolves are down to 10 men. It's also important to, to obviously draw parallels with the Villa game where we got away with it a little. Um, Roy made some changes. I think, you know, are you tired on a yellow card? Usually there's a change there for Benteke to come on any around around 60, 70 minutes. Uh, but generally speaking, the changes were to, you know, shore things up, see if we could take a, a goal on the counter. But Wolves, to their credit, sensed that we were just, we'd taken our foot off the gas. Uh, and that is a huge mistake, even if your position are down to 10 men. If you start playing like the game is won, it will come back and bite you. And we were definitely doing that. And you, you, that's not the manager's fault. That's down to the players. That's down to their mentality. Um, and and that's very, very frustrating. But so I think, and that's where it starts. PVA is taking a lot of stick for this, but I don't actually think he does a tremendous amount wrong because you know, Troy's got a lot of pace. If he, if he comes in tight and Troy, Troy can knock the ball past him and just sprint and he's gone, right? So, understandably PVA is standing off a bit. What he really needs there is probably a little bit of help. And there, there are players around, but they're all doing the same thing and standing off. What you want to see is a player going tight and a player standing off. So you kind of, you cut off all the different avenues there. Um, and that's, that's me as an armchair fan talking about how you defend them. I'm sure they know better than I do, but a definite mistake to let him get the crossing quite so easily. But unfortunately the horror mistake is, is Joel Ward where he's, I can remember Sol Campbell trying to head a ball a foot height uh, for England, and this is this is every bit as bad as the balls come over. It, it's dropping. He's he's in his head. He's already made up his mind that he's going to dive header it away. <clears throat> Excuse me. By the time he actually tries to do it, it it's so close to the ground, and he it doesn't even get anything on it. Uh, and obviously at, at the back post, is it Johnny or Jota? I can't remember which one, um, but I think it was Jota actually. Right. They, they just he can't. He can't quite believe his luck. He gets the ball caught under his feet because he's not expecting 
Joel Ward to mysteriously fall over and, and let him have it. Um, so he actually gets time to even sort of get clear the ball from his feet, line it up and, and, and smash it home. Um, and it's a sickener. It is a sickener when it happens. And, and obviously you're angry and you're frustrated. In the cold light of day when we're recording this podcast, I, I honestly, I'm not even angry. I'm just, I, I expect almost expected it. And I kind of felt that we we deserved that to happen to us, which is which is a sad state of affairs considering the chances we had. I think Benteke once went to finish something that was about a foot off, or oh, an inch off the ground with his head. Um, that that definitely sticks in my head. That's that's one where yeah, a slight misjudgment in terms of hedging it near the ground. Um, it was it was a huge mistake in terms of uh, Traore getting the better of PVA. Well, I mean, he's got the better of much better fullbacks than PVA. He is, he's a beast. I would say he's like, um, he's, he's like Sacco plus like he's, he's got, uh, he's got, he's got the skill to match the, uh, the, the random sort of, um, brick shithouseness that he's got going. Um, I, I do think he's an absolutely great player. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll discuss Ward's um, post-game interview later. He was absolutely destroyed by that. Um, oh, the one thing I would say, standing down in in a block yesterday, um, was I don't think any of us expected. I thought we were we were going to play it out. So I was I wasn't quite in the same mind frame as you, um, thinking that we'd we concede. I think we were all of the opinion that we were going to see it out nicely. And it was only in retrospect when the ball gone in, we thought about. Um, you know, Benteke and Wolf um, not running the ball down to the corner flag. Uh, yeah, you've just um, actually picked up on my uh, the point I was going to make about, you know, we are all blaming um, sort of Wardy, but, you know, we did have the ball down the other end and that was, a, you know, a mistake up that end as well. <laughs> so, you know, Wolf did give that, you know, has given it away when, you know, we should have just got rid of it. You're really. absolutely right. And, you don't want to pick on players. I don't think Benteke does a tremendous amount wrong because you could see there's a bit of hesitancy when he received the ball and looks up because he knows we're trying to kill the game. But he sees the run that Wilf's making. And again, you can't stop Wilf being Wilf to a degree. But people obviously are going to latch on to that when he's when he's made it you know, clear he doesn't want to remain at Palace unless he kind of has to. Uh, so people will pick up on that, but it, you know it's, you can't call it naivety because he's played an awful lot of games. It's you know it is poor game management. It's a mistake to to allow that tackle. If he just keeps that ball, keeps his back to goal for a little while, lets players come up, plays the easy pass. You know we probably don't concede a goal, and it's two extra points, and those points are, are, are absolutely vital in the Premier League. I want to defend him a little bit and say I blame Benteke. I mean he could have held up the ball a little bit. He's great with his back to goal. He could have played the ball backwards. Um, it seemed to me that playing to Wilf, you could see Wilf's frustration on the, on when I watched the replay. You could see he was like, "Why are you giving me the ball? I, I'm in the most difficult position to keep it." So I think it was a, a, a bit of both of them. I, Wilf could have definitely, rather than trying to pass his man, he, he could have um, he could have turned his back as well. Uh, but there was no one for him to play the ball to because um, Benteke had sort of given up responsibility. Um, and I think that. Sorry, well, carry on. I, I just, I'm just wondering because I, 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 I didn't think about that side of it. And I think it's a really good point, and I'm just wondering whether or not you can recall what options Benteke had at that point. Had had the had we as a team kind of sat deep, and because the ball was cleared and went up to to Benteke, was anyone coming forward to, to, to give him an option? They're definitely. Um, he he was a good through a few yards in front of the next player. But um, from what I could see on the replays, Wolves hadn't cut off all of his options for playing it backwards. Um, so it was definitely an option. And that, and that was Wolves' uh, comment to him. Um, but I, I think this probably takes us nicely on to um, the, the comments for the end of the game and then people's comments about uh, the big Belgian himself. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Christian Benteke doesn't even deserve to be in the squad. I'm not being funny. You leave Jordan Ayew on for the rest of the time and he scores the two opportunities that Benteke has had. He's absolutely, woefully atrocious. I just, I don't think there's words to describe how poor he really is. Um, I think it's time we just cut our losses, get rid of him. Even if you just release him, I don't see the point of keeping him. Put someone, one of the youth team players in there. I really don't see the point in keeping him. Christian Benteke, just... Man man needs to retire. He needs to just, you know, hold his hands up and go, you know what, I- I'm done. My career's over. I'm, I need to go and play Sunday League somewhere and get his talent back because it doesn't look like he's going to perform for Palace. He comes on and it's just like a... It's a groan. It's a collective groan of 20-odd thousand people. It's just, right, well, Benteke's back on. And that sitter, an absolute sitter, I, I don't know how he could miss it. I don't know what any more people can do. He's, he's eight yards out and he's, he's sending it straight to the keeper. Whenever he gets the ball, he puts it straight to the keeper. It's so frustrating. So frustrating to watch. Benteke, he's shot. I, mean, I, I have tried to back him for as long as humanly possible, but I can't anymore. A striker that takes that long to shoot and then puts it straight at the goalkeeper. Nah, it's it, he is done. There's pretty much a pasture. Let's wipe. Uh, let's, let's not even bring him on. I don't see what the point of bringing him on anymore is. Bring on Townsend and put Wilf up front. I don't know. I just don't see what Benteke has the team when he comes on the moment. But let me talk about some negatives. Uh, Benteke, of course, uh, he needs to be sold ASAP. I believe he's signed a new contract, has he? So can we ship him out at Christmas in the new year? Let's get rid of him. Let's cut our losses with him because he is absolutely shot of confidence. I couldn't believe when he had that chance. A Premier League striker takes one touch, bangs it in the bottom of the net. He should have done that, but he didn't and shot it right at the keeper. It's unacceptable. He, I mean, if I was him, I would feel ashamed. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. He's getting paid how much? How much? And he can't score from two metres. Some enjoyable clips there. Uh, lots of passion being spoken. Darren, Matt, Rob and Rob, thank you very much. Um, if your clip wasn't used today, particularly the sort of full-time reactions, do check out the extra podcast uh, called Your View coming out Tuesday. Uh, evening because it will be on there absolutely no doubt whatsoever and there's some great stuff from you obviously but we are limited on time this week so bear with us but a lot of criticism coming Benteke's way in particular for for the chance and if I can start us off with a reaction and obviously you hear from from Mike and Kate as well um, I think the the chance we're talking about in terms of the impact on the game, obviously not going 2-0 up is, is a big impact, but there was, there was a similar chance for Jeffrey Schlupp even later than that that would, would have also um, sealed that game um, after being very well set up by Benteke. So I'm not going to, even playing devil's advocate, I'm not going to defend Benteke to, to a much of a degree um, because it's beyond that. We're beyond that point now. He, he is shot. He, his confidence has gone, but... He's not the reason we, we drew that game. He's not the reason we, it felt like a loss. There's a lot of reasons for it. Um, he he has lost confidence, but it's not just about... I mean, I, I didn't hear it, so I'll let Mike talk about the, the fact that Roy's apparently suggested uh, fans have brought his confidence down. I think Roy's the manager and should be man-managing the player to bring his confidence up. That's That's my view on that. But when you look at the chance he missed, he did... So much right. The run was actually good. And, and the biggest criticism I have of him in general is, is how bad his anticipation and his runs have been of late because he doesn't seem to be looking for that, that chance. He doesn't want to nick in front of a defender. He doesn't want to peel off to the back post. He just stands and lets himself be marked. But on this occasion, great movement, received the pass perfectly, sidesteps the defender. And then it's just, the, as soon as he hits that moment, it's in his head that that it's a chance for him to score 
and he needs to put it away. And if he doesn't put it away, it will just make things worse. You can see it. It's in the mind. It's entirely mental. And you cannot, you can't get over that easy. Even if he puts that ball away, it's still going to be there until it, until it becomes natural again. And we can't wait for that. We can't carry a player at Premier League level and, and hope that at some point he gets his head together. It, I, I understand why everyone's frustrated. As I say, I think the criticism is over the top in terms of him being responsible for us not winning that game. But you know, he's, he's you make a great point that he he did the hard work. Um, he lost his man, um, and uh, you know, just hit it straight at the keeper again. Um, uh, the the easy part was really putting it away rather than losing his man. Um, but the frustration from people on um, Twitter seems to be more about um, Roy than about Benteke. Um, so JCPFC. Uh, Jack, thank you. Uh, what will it take for a manager to leave Benteke on the bench? He offers nothing when he comes on. Um, and then uh, Tom has written in to say, even if IE would manage to score three hat-tricks in the game, he'd still be subbed off on 70 minutes for Benteke. McArthur off for McCarthy. Um, and then, you know, talking about Mayer and Camarasa. So um, the, the general feeling is that Benteke is bought on regardless of the fact that Perhaps he even thinks that he shouldn't be brought on. Um, so, to what extent is it Benteke's fault because he's out of form? Uh, to what extent is it the uh, the manager bringing him on um, into into the firing line um, unnecessarily? Um, and uh, you know, unless Ayu isn't fit for ninety minutes, which you know has been a point that's made out that's been made. Um, but then there's some interesting comments in the, in the post match interview which you can watch on Palace TV. Someone's you know said. You know, Benteke's missed another sitter. Um, you know, what do you think is causing his confidence to be shot? And, and Roy goes on about, oh, we're, we're trying our best to bring his confidence up. And then he talks, he, he uses the quote, fans are bringing his confidence down, which is just a crazy thing to hear from the manager. Um, you, you can read a lot of things into that. If we were the son, we'd probably be going, oh, Hodgson blames fans for Benteke not scoring. Um, I think what he's trying to say is, you know, get off his back and he will come back. But he's, you can understand why people are angry. It's it, These people are make, leaving clips for us. Um, they're not all saying the same thing for no reason whatsoever. So um, that seems to be one of those situations where Roy's been cornered and then he makes these really weird um, deflective comments. In, and I, yeah, well worth a listen because it's a very odd thing to say. Very odd thing to say. Um, I think you've actually just covered everything I was about to say. Um, about, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know mean, about um, bringing uh, Tekka's on. You know, you know he's going to do it and, you know, just groan every single time and just think, you know, oh, here we go. I mean, why bring him on and not Townsend? You know, that was a little bit sort of beyond me. Why leave Townsend on the bench that we know is capable of scoring? And um, but bring on the one that can't score. I think, and um, you've kind of summed it up. You've almost sort of given a, a perfect sort of example of what perhaps Roy's talking about in the sense that people do groan uh, when Benteke comes off the bench now. Um, but I don't, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said a little bit earlier, and just I'm, I'm not deliberately picking out picking on Roy for this, but you know, if you, if your player is that fragile that the fan reaction is affecting the way that he plays. You know, you've got bigger problems than than are going to be solved by the fans being a little bit more positive. I, you know, I go back to, I mean, how long do you go on? Because the fans have been incredibly positive in general about Benteke. They've backed him for a long, long period of time through not scoring. So many people, myself included, have talked about the fact that he's having to play a role that doesn't really suit the way he plays. We're not really putting enough crosses, not giving him enough opportunities. Um, but the the problem is all of it has culminated in, in, a, in a striker who has forgotten how to score goals and is, and is not doing the basic things right. Um, you know, and, and who's going to want to <laughs> who's going to want to to pay any real money for him? The, the kind of and, and pay him the kind of money he's on and take him off of our hands. I, I, you know, I think you know you can't just get rid and, and, and sack players, but it almost feels like a, a clean break is the only way to get over this. Um, 
But it, it's such a tough one. It, it really is. I don't blame Roy necessarily for putting him on. I think you make a really good point, Kate, when you're saying that an, Townsend is, is an option. We've seen Townsend play as a striker. We've seen Wilf play up front on his own if we have to take Jordan Ayew off. Um but, you know, Connor Wickham, unfortunately, injured again. So he, he he's not an option for Roy. So, you know, maybe maybe that's just completely lack of options that he feels he needs to do that. But it just goes back to the predictability of doing the same things over and over again. It does piss me off to a degree that we're being hypocritical by talking about him now, I suppose. But, um, you know, rather than discussing how great Cahill was or how great Ward was until the, 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 the goal... Um, we're talking about Benteke again, and that comes up in the press conference and takes up past the press conference. Um, but I guess it's happening simply because he keeps on playing him. So, and, it, you know, it's natural to talk about the issues that have gone wrong rather than uh, people just sitting there in the press conference going, well, Cahill was great again, wasn't he? Um, and everyone goes, yes, and that's that. Um, so we, we're not trying to be ultra critical here. Um, we're bringing up what people have talked about in the clips uh, and what's come up in the press conference. And this will lead us on to the next topic, um, which was Jeffrey Schlupp, um, unless you two have any final comments on Benteke. No, I, I, I think I'm done. I'm done as well. Let's no more to say. Well, I mean, in that case, I want to bring up something. Um, and, I mean, we do we do repost on Twitter the odds um, site that people refer to as clickbait. And sometimes we get messages from people going, oh, why are you retweeting this? I mean, if we retweet The Sun, for example, um, we'd like you, we, we give you... Um, we give you the respect for us to think that you realise The Sun is an absolute shit rag of a paper. Um, but... Um, we post things about it because they're talking points. Um, and this one came from um, a site called Football Fancast. And they basically put an article up. We've, we've tweeted about it today um, with a series of tweets from people, Palace fans, um, saying that Schlupp is a waste of space and what's he doing, uh, that kind of thing. So we reposted the article and asked people whether um, they thought that the the comments were harsh and whether they represented Palace fans as a whole because, you know, Schlupp does divide opinion, but um, he's had some great moments in a Palace shirt. Um, so, in terms of this game, um, Tom Rado, um, if I pronounce your surname wrong, sorry, Tom, um, he's put that he's very, very hot and cold. Um, and yesterday, obviously he voted today, yesterday the worst performance in a Palace shirt. Um, I, which I'm surprised by because uh, I, I thought that he was the person that led to the goal. Yeah, no, no chance. It was his worst performance in the Palace shirt. But yeah, mm. um, yeah. I, no, I, I, I'm jumping ahead of the fact that we've got some other comments in there. One in particular, I'm going to jump to from Steve Foster because it, it, it's him saying it rather than myself. Um, and he said, well, he's using the word detest, which I wouldn't use. He said, I've now detested Slup far more than I should do. Because he's being playing played ahead of better footballers, him playing central midfield is baffling. He's a squad player at best. How I how I feel in general um, about that is, you know, I talked about it at length last week, so I'm not going to go on about it this week too much. But you know, he bought as a left back, very very capable playing anywhere down that left hand side. But as a central midfielder, even even a left sided central midfielder. We, we are blessed with better players than Jeffrey Schlupp. I know why Roy picks him, and Roy picks him because he trusts him to do what he asks him to do. But it, it I still don't think it's getting the best out of Jeffrey Schlupp, because let's make it my, my point absolutely clear. I don't think he's a bad footballer at all. But I think given he's another one who you need to take the shackles off. Him playing in the left-hand side of that three... Look at you know. Look at the goal where he's driving forward, using skill to beat a player. He's got incredible pace. He's very very good with both feet, and he's got fantastic delivery if you let him put a cross in as well. He I really rate him as a footballer, but not in the role that he's been given, and not with the shackles that Roy puts on him and other players. So, for, for me, I, I don't want to get caught up in the whole Jeffrey Schlupp is rubbish and an, an average footballer. He's a very much a, a, a mediocre central midfielder but I think he can make a really positive contribution in our team in other areas. Um, yeah, no, I think that was a little bit harsh as well to say that it was his like worst performance. I, I agree. I think he is 
Um, I, I think he is good and a little bit underrated, really. Um, yeah, maybe, you know, not the greatest of um, of games. And yeah, did miss an opportunity, but yeah, that was a bit harsh. I, I, I mean, he did miss an opportunity, probably the equal, if not a simpler chance than Benteke. Uh, but I guess sort of give him give him the benefit of the doubt because he slotted some of those one-on-ones um, at home in, in the last few months or in the last couple of seasons. And, and more than that, he's often created the chances to, to score them as well. So um, I sort of backed him to, to score that and that, and that one hurt, um, obviously right in front of the Homesdale, um, both of those chances. So um, looking at them, they were, they were painful. Um, so I'm going to quote here, uh, I'm going to get your name wrong, Lohan Life. Um, she, he, I'm not sure, um, said he's much better in a front three or even cover as left back. Um, but he does always give 100% and I think he, he did give 100%, uh, the same as Townsend. Um, and neither have been as bad as some people make out. Um, and I think this brings us on to a point that we'll discuss in a minute with our last topic. But um, it does feel like there's an element recently, um, and we have touched on it in other pods, that um, we look for a scapegoat. and um, we find we find issues with the people that we're making scapegoats of uh, far more than they actually deserve. Um, he absolutely right from Steve Foster. Sometimes you resent him for being on the pitch, but he is on the pitch, and that's his job. Um, and he, you can't say he doesn't put 100% effort in. Um, it's up to Roy if he's put him in the wrong place or, or, or playing him in a position above a player that we think could play better than him. It's a really interesting point you make about scapegoats. What our very own Patrick O'Connor on Twitter uh, yesterday was talking about. He's actually talking about Benteke, but obviously Slup's another example of that. And Patrick said, you know, he can look back now and look at how he made Wayne Hennessy a scapegoat last year for a lot of bad performances and a lot, a lot of what frustrated him about Palace. Uh, and he can he can see now how over the top it was, and he feels that people are being just as over the top with Christian Benteke. But it's, it always seems to have been that way. I can remember complaining about it in the dark days of struggling at the bottom of the, bottom of the championship. We always needed to have a, a player who or, or two that, that were the focal point of either ridicule or frustration. And when they move on, someone else has to step up. And I think anyone listening to this of, of any vintage will know the names of the, those players that throughout their their time supporting Palace have been the whipping boys. It's a very strange little quirk of of, of being a football fan, a football supporter, uh, and, or a football obsessive that those players and, and those people exist. And we have a few of them at Palace at the moment, which which in a number of ways, if you do have that that focus, um, particularly as I talked about the other week, when you if you if you play a watch, you can really destroy your opinion of a footballer by by you know having that confirmation bias of, of seeing only the bad things and not seeing the good um it's a very very rocky road to go down but shall we uh shall we talk about Joel Wood absolutely let's talk about Joel Wood um this was the the, su- the subject that I wanted to discuss um th- this came about so I put up on the Twitter uh man of the match choices and just to cover a couple of things because we didn't get a chance to give people's um discussion at the end of the game, the clips, um, put in Guaita, Ward, MacArthur and Wilf as the four options. You can only put four on Twitter. Um, a fair few people said that uh, Cahill and Kuate were their choices, uh, worth a mention for either of those. Cahill, absolutely excellent in the first half. I've, I've learnt now, standing behind the goal, that I can't make too much judgments about the second half uh, with the defenders because I can't see a thing the other end of the pitch. Um, so probably if you're in the White House lane end, uh, you'll have a, a less strong opinion about how good Cahill and Ward were uh, because you saw the second half rather than the first, but they were excellent. Um, Kuate put in, put in a real shift for me uh, and a lot of people said he was their player of, of, of the game. Uh, so yes, probably should have fitted him in the four as well. And, and are you? I thought was pretty decent, although I'm not sure the man of the match. Um, so Guaita absolutely landslid it Landslid, is that a word? Landslid? Um, let's go with it. We haven't got a lot of time. <laughs> um, over half the votes. Um, Ward was second. Um, and a few people questioned whether he should even be in the man of the match poll. Um, CFCP, Cuarte, fair enough. What is that shithouse Ward even there? Why is that shithouse Ward even there? Uh, and then Danny Rhodes, Ward, and then a laughing face. Have you not watched their goal? Um, 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna defend him and say the vast majority of the game, he was absolutely excellent. Let's not forget this was a man that cost a fifth of the price of Jordan Ayew, the biggest bargain of the summer. Um, so 400 grand, I think he cost, didn't he? And he, even a few years ago, absolute bargain. He's in a place he shouldn't be, should have been replaced. Um, Wambasaka, he wasn't. Ward made the best of it. So, so for example, I'm going to bring out the fact that um, their player that got uh, red-carded, Sice, that's how you pronounce his name, um, the two yellow cards, both of them were Ward and Zaha working together, um, breaking and him having to make tactical fouls. Um, that kind of thing. I don't think Ward even had that in his armoury uh, five games ago. So he's come on leaps and bounds. Um, in the statement after the game, he was absolutely gutted. He was, I've never seen anyone more gutted. Um, when, the, when the guy interviewed him said, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they've taken your goal off you as well. He just he looked glummy and said, well, that sums the game up. Um, he, he took full responsibility, said it was a misjudgment, no slip, nothing like that. The guy even said, was it not a slip? He said, no, I misjudged it. He was absolutely gutted. Um, it tarnished what I thought otherwise was a great performance. Him and Cahill, for me, the two best players on the pitch. So uh, I will leave that for you two to comment. Well, first first of all, I completely agree with those talking about Cahill. He was he was absolutely excellent once again. Um so I kind of hinted before we started recording that I was going to give Ward a hard time. That was a that was a bit of a lie, to be honest, Mike, because um, I am going to give him a hard time about the first half because, like a number of players, I felt he, he played within himself, um, actually better than he had played recently. But then I haven't really rated his performances recently, to be completely honest. I think the noticeable difference in how he played after um, his deflected shot. It resulted in a goal. Uh, and before that, I think just really shows you how important confidence is in a player because after that, it's like you'd taken three, four years off of him and we'd gone back to, to Joel Ward pretty much at his Premier League peak because I thought he was superb. Great engine, some some moments of skill on the ball, which which he's always been capable of. Um you know, I've used the word take the shackles off a number of times um, in this show, but again, it's a, it's a little bit like that in, in the sense that he kind of played with a, the, the freedom uh, that confidence gives you, the, the belief that once you get the ball, you don't have to treat it like a hot potato and get rid of it as simply and as quickly as possible. Uh, and that those combinations you've picked out with Zaha, Mike, you're absolutely right. And, and that does feel like that, that that is a combination that works because they know how each other play and particularly have Ward having the the benefit of being able to, as long as he gets the ball vaguely near Wilf, the chances are that Wilf will get something on it and control it and because he has that level of ability. I think that that is of benefit to, to Ward and gives him more options as well. So there's lots of positives to talk about with Joel Ward. But all people will remember and all people will focus on is that horrendous misjudgment because it is horrendous. You can't get away from it and, and it shouldn't happen. Um and only he will know exactly what that thought process was and why he got it so wrong. Um, and it, it's, it's devastating for him because he, he's right to be on that list, Mike. You're absolutely right to, to talk about him in that way. Um, but, you know, people people will criticise because of what happened. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with him being on the list. And I was, like, I was right by him when um, that last goal went in and... You could just see that absolute devastation on him, and you know, having that first goal taken off as well. That you know, that is that is harsh. Um, but you know, other than you know, that was a massive mistake. But you know, I basically agree with all the points you have, um, just made. And yeah, you know, I'm going to defend him as well. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I play to an extent. I'm playing devil's advocate um, because people were were slagging him off, but. There's one particular point in the game, um, and I think to quote uh, Holly from Red Dwarf, showing my age, it was proper brown trousers time, um, because there was there was um, there was two Wolves uh, attackers on the edge of our box, um, passing it between themselves, and he was the only defender there. Um, he managed to dispossess them and get the ball out for a corner. And at that point, I was I I, I don't know, it, it turned it for me. That that was probably about 20 minutes into the game, 25 minutes into the game, um, because it. it we all thought like there was a collective sort of breath in. Uh, everyone stopped singing quite so loud for a minute. It did look like we were about to concede a one-on-one, um, and he he just pulled it out of the bag. You know, in the kind of way that Wan Bissaka did last season, 
um, you know, putting in that kind of jellied leg um, and uh, getting the ball away. Um, so, yeah, I just I just felt we had to defend him today because um, there's a lot of slagging off. And I think if you didn't see the full game, um, if you just watched the highlights, or perhaps if you watched it on TV and 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 didn't didn't show the angles of of, of certain things, um, he was great. And I was watching the highlights back on Palace TV today, and and, and the commentator even points out, so oh, Wardy's had a great game, and, and I don't think anyone's uttered those words this season, really. Definitely not. All right, look, I think we've got a couple of other bits in the show, Doc, where we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. Um, give you a slightly shorter show this week, rather than ninety minutes of ranting. That obviously disappointing to have. Uh, dropped a couple of points there. Let's hope we do better against Norwich next time out. I do want to quickly mention, if you could do me a huge favour, go on to Just Giving and search for Back of the Nest. Please donate as much as you can afford towards uh, us doing the marathon walk in aid of the Palace for Life Foundation this year. Um, we haven't really raised a huge amount of money at the moment. It'd be a big push on it over the next week or so. Uh, but the full terror has really settled in that I'm going to put myself through it again after my abject failure last year. Uh, so much so that I did a 5.2 mile walk uh, yesterday morning without anyone forcing me to do so, which is a, a huge thing for me. Um, so, yeah, really would appreciate if you could do that. Of course, there's a Love Sports podcast um, later on and obviously the live show as well, 8 to 9 p.m. Uh, Tuesday, as well as the podcast with Your View coming out Tuesday night as well. Oh, packed this week because you've also got the preview show ahead of the Norwich game where Terence, Sam and Albert will be entertaining you too. Five star ratings wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe. Cheers for listening. Cheers, Sam. Cheers, Kate. Cheers, Mike. Speak to you soon. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.